Take your Bibles this morning and turn, please, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Living stones. Living stones that come from the one who was the living stone. Last week we looked at a couple of verses out of chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. I want to look at those again this morning as we begin our study of 1 Peter. Should be chapter 2, my fault. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 up here, all right? So let's say these verses together, 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. The verses will be on the screen. Let's read them as we share together this morning. We'll start with the reference. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now I know why last week I had an A after one of my PowerPoint presentations, because the A was the corrected version. And I, when I'm copying tonight, Brenda's going, yeah, that's exactly what you did. So we'll work on it, okay? Now, now I know. You know that the church is people, not property. The church is involved with living stones. The church is alive. And you and I need to understand that we are part of that life. And we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. For his honor and his glory and his praise. I don't know whether you've thought much about the church, but it's not just the walls. It's the people. And the church continues to grow. Whether it's the Konania class or whether it's those who are serving in the cafe. We also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. I have in my pocket a stone. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time because I want to give each of you a stone today. All right? And I want you to take this stone and I want you to either put it in your pocket or put it in your car cup holder or put it where you have devotions. Go ahead, guys. Pass those out, will you please? Everybody gets a stone. I want you to put it someplace where you are reminded about being a living stone. And it's important that we recognize that God has given to us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. And we are alive in him. And he has given to us an abundant life. And so take this, put it on your dresser, put it on your kitchen counter, put it someplace where you are going to be reminded that you are a living stone. Now, while this is happening, I just want to remind you of the outline of 1 Peter. And we've made an acrostic. That should not surprise you. Stones. Chapter 1 tells us that we are sojourners. And God has given to us just a place where we can grow together and where we can develop. And as sojourners, we are going to suffer. Suffering is part of of life, but it proves the genuineness 
of our faith. In chapter 2, we understand that it is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And our testimony should be like Christ. He that saith he abideth in him ought some also to walk as Jesus walked. That's verse John. Here in 1 Peter, we're told to follow in his steps. Chapter 3 tells us that we are to be testimonies because others are watching. You're aware of that, aren't you? People are watching us, and we are to let our lights shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Chapter 4 tells us that we are to make sure that there is nothing but God in our lives. He is to have the preeminence. Chapter 5, elders are to live humbly as we all. In fact, Peter says, humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up. And then at the end of this epistle, we are told to stand fast. Stand firm in our faith. That is 1 Peter. Now, did y'all get your stones? Y'all understand that we're to be living stones, not dead rocks? Remind yourself of that. Now, as you look at the New Testament, you find that there are three key personalities that are part of the New Testament. First of all, we find that Peter is part of the New Testament, Paul is part of the New Testament, and John is part of the New Testament. Peter is mentioned more than anyone else in the New Testament. He's also known as Simon, sometimes called Simon Peter. And we'll talk a little bit more about who Peter was. But it's important to know that Peter is the apostle of hope. Peter is the one who gives to us counsel to help us understand how we can live in this world. John, I'm sorry, Paul is the apostle of faith. Paul tells us that it's been by grace we've been saved through faith, and not of ourselves. It is a gift of works, gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And John is the apostle of love, that we love one another. I was thinking this past week about people who have influenced my life. And the people who have influenced my life, in many ways, have been older folks. My grandfather had a great influence on my life. He was a simple farmer. He was a mechanic, and many of the farmers around his area brought their, their equipment to him to be prepared. But he was just a plain and simple person. But he was also very profound and sincere. And I learned a lot from my grandfather. Now, my father was a preacher. He was a pastor and, and a shepherd. And, and I learned from him how to take care of the, the church of God. He, he was kind of pointed. He didn't mince words, especially when it came to his kids. You knew where you stood with dad. I still know where I stand with my dad. And he was a steadfast minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now almost 90 years of age, he's still serving in the church and going to the rescue mission and serving meals and, and doing that kind of thing. When I first started ministry in Quincy, Illinois, there was a gentleman in the church by the name of Don Stickler. 
Don was the jailhouse preacher in Quincy. Now, Quincy, Illinois, I don't know if you're familiar with that place, but if you look at a map and there's a hump in Illinois out on the Mississippi River, that's Quincy. Quincy's right there on that hump. It's as far west as you can get and still be in Illinois. And it's known for two things. It has more park space per population than any other city in the United States. It has more bars per citizen than any other place in the United States. Maybe they needed the parks because of the bars, I'm not sure. But, but John, Don was the, the jailhouse preacher. He was a social minister. And he taught me to be persistent and, and to be sensitive. And all of these men taught me from their life experiences. As we get into 1 Peter, Peter is going to teach us something from his life experiences. What do you know about Peter? Well, he was a fisherman, right? Just plain and simple. He had a brother whose name was Andrew. They may well have been partners with John and his brother, James, who were also fishermen. He was bold. He was the one who stood up at Pentecost and preached that great sermon. But Acts chapter 4 says that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men. But they also understood that they had been with Jesus. You are well aware that it was Peter who had that great confession, and we'll talk about this in a minute. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was Peter who denied the Lord three times. And it was Peter that the Lord Jesus Christ told to feed his sheep in John chapter 21. So, 1 Peter chapter 1 starts out with Peter. Peter, an apostle. An apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, I think it's important for us to understand exactly who Peter was. So let me help you with that this morning, all right? Peter, first of all, was Petros. That's his Greek name. And it means little stone or pebble or chip. Keep that in mind. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus Christ brought his disciples to him. And he asked them a question. He says, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Uh, their answer is rather interesting. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the other prophets. And then Jesus turns it around and he says, who do you say that I am? How would you answer that question this morning? Who do you say that Jesus is? Peter speaks up and he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? Pretty good answer. And here was the Word in flesh, the Word incarnate, who lived among them to show the wonder of God. And Peter got it. In fact, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, man did not reveal this unto you, but God did. This didn't come any other way. You didn't figure this out for yourself. God showed you something. And then Jesus makes an incredible statement. 
he says, you are Peter. Now, you wonder why that's such an incredible statement. Jesus is now going to have a play on words. You are Peter, just a chip, a fragment, just a pebble, just a little stone. Seemingly insignificant. But you are Peter, but upon this rock, Petra, the rock of Jesus Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen? So as we think about Peter, we need to understand that Peter is recognizing something about living stones because he is one. He is just a petros, a chip, a pebble, a fragment. But Jesus Christ is the one who is the living stone, the monument upon which we build our lives. But not only is Petros Peter, we also discover that Peter was explosive at times. Did you ever blow up? Peter did. You remember that after the resurrection, when they were in the, or after, after the Last Supper, when they were in the garden, he took out his sword and he cut off the ear of the high priest. Do you remember that? Do you remember when Peter said, I'll not deny the Lord? Not me. But he did. Three times. And as you look at those events, you discover that two of them were before a servant girl and one was before just a stranger who was in the crowd. No one of any importance. Peter was impulsive. In Mark chapter 14, the disciples were there. The boat was tossed about. And they looked out and they saw the Lord walking in the garden or on the water. Remember that? What did Peter do? He got out of the boat. Why in the world would Peter get out of the boat? Would you? Now, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. But to me, that's kind of like jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. Why would anyone leave a perfectly good airplane with only a parachute? That was Peter. And do you recall what happened to him? He started to sink, didn't he? And he said, Lord, save me. I don't think what I did was such a good idea. That was Peter. He was impulsive. But not only was Peter impulsive, he was also tentative in a lot of ways. He was insecure. After the resurrection, he returned to fishing. He didn't know what else to do. And it was there that the Lord Jesus Christ said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. In Acts chapter 10, Peter sees this great sheet come down from heaven. It had been a while since he'd had breakfast, and he was hungry. 
And the Lord said to Peter, Peter, arise and eat. All these animals are in this great sheet. Peter said, not me, Lord, I'm kosher. I don't eat unclean animals. And God said, Peter, what I've declared clean, don't you call unclean. And it was from that that the gospel was launched to the Gentiles. Peter was also an example. It was at Pentecost that he preached that great message. The boldness of Peter was seen throughout the book of Acts. He preached the gospel to the Gentiles. He was at the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. He was an example to the believers. And Peter was reflective. He was one who acted before he thought, but he thought after he'd acted. You remember that at the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus said that one was going to betray him. Peter leaned over to John and nudged him and said, John, ask the Lord who it is. He wanted to know. It was Peter who, after he had denied the Lord, sat down and wept. It was Peter when the Lord found them fishing, threw himself into the sea because he was an unclean man. And it was Peter when asked by the Lord, Peter, do you love me? said, Lord, you know I love you. And the Lord said, feed my sheep. So whatever you know about Peter, understand that this is a man full of life experiences. And he is going to unveil those experiences to us so that we can learn what got him through life. 1 Peter was probably written in the early 60s A.D. We're not sure where Peter was when he wrote it. Some think he was in Rome. But there is really no established fact that Peter went to Rome. But we do know that in the, in the mid-60s, Nero was in power. And there was great persecution among the believers. It was Nero who had the Christians of Rome blamed for the burning of Rome. And that persecution has penetrated the whole world. Peter was martyred. In fact, tradition tells us that he was hung upside down on a cross because he was unwilling to be crucified as his Lord was. That's Peter. Now, identified here in 1 Peter as an apostle. You and I know what a disciple is. 
A disciple is a student or a follower of Christ. And we are all supposed to be methos, disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, students of him. But a disciple, an apostle, was one who was an actual eyewitness to the things of Christ. In fact, here in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter reminds us that he is indeed an eyewitness to the sufferings of Christ. So we have Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect exiles of the dispersion. Elect exiles. Now next week we're going to talk about election. So if you've always wondered what election really means and how to understand it, Come next week and we'll be all confused together. Peter identifies his audience, though, as elect exiles. Now, these were probably Gentiles. Because further in Peter, he tells us that these individuals to whom he is writing came from their former ignorance. And the Jews knew of Jesus Christ. And so these are, these are probably Gentiles that had been dispersed because of persecution. They, they weren't at home anymore. That's why they were exiles. Now, what is an exile? Let me share with you these, these principles. An exile, first of all, exists in another country. He exists in a Another country. You know, the Bible tells us that we are all exiles. We are sojourners. We are strangers in this world in which we live. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And so we need to understand that we are the audience to whom Peter is written. But not only are they just exiles, they're also experts. They expect to go home someday. Do you expect to go home? Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Exiles also are embedded in another culture. They're among the people who live in that culture. They are thought of as being part of that culture. But embedded in that culture, they have a responsibility. And the Scripture gives us our responsibility of salt and light. Exiles are also those who long for another country. Paul writes, I am hard-pressed to depart with Christ, which is far better. And then exiles are elect, but not forgotten. What shall separate us from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord? And so as we look at Peter, we discover that he is an apostle, an eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ, and he's writing to the elect exiles who have been dispersed throughout all of Asia Minor, and we'll talk about that next week. 
And he's writing from a lifetime of experience to help them know how they can live in the country, in the culture, in the situation where they find themselves. I ran across an interesting quote that I want you to think about. When you're going through something hard and wonder where God is, remember the teacher is always quiet during a test. That's 1 Peter. When you're going through something and wonder, where's God? Remember, the teacher is always quiet 